Hello and welcome to Underqualified Thoughts. My name is Andy Sullivan and I'm here with my brother-in-law, Caleb. We have not talked to each other over the phone in about a month. So this is going to be that was intentional. Com- just so you know, that was intentional. Look at this dude. He was like not, not answering my call for like a month. I'm serious. And this was planned out. I don't want to hear it. I don't plan many areas of my life. Not calling you was not something I did intentionally. And I'll say... We don't have to go into the history and look at it, but I'm pretty sure I missed one phone call from you, and it was yesterday, so you haven't called me much either. No, no, I've called you three or three times. No, 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 no. All right, we're pulling this up now. First time when with your wife was in the car, you didn't answer. Oh, I was driving. Yeah, sorry, I was keeping my family safe. Hmm. Let's well, see, history. I have a missed, a call that did not go through on November 20th. Probably the one where I was driving, and then one on the 21st. All right, all right. I missed three calls from you. That's there not... There you go. Like I said, three calls, man. But I will say, that's uh, that's only two weeks, though. You can't give me uh, flack for the whole month. I see our last phone call where I called you was November 15th. And did I answer? Yes. Well, it doesn't matter. I'm just saying it's not a full month. It's just two weeks. All right. Well, the point is we haven't talked in a very long time. Yes, but we have talked about the most important things that have happened in our life. We have talked in real life about real life. No, remember when I called you the... So here's spoiler alert. We're going to get into a traditional life processing episode of Underqualified Thoughts because as the saying goes, life happened. At the beginning of November, actually no, it was the end of October. It was probably the week after we recorded our last episode was when I got the news that my role at Wells Fargo was being eliminated and I was being displaced. And so today is my first non-working day at Wells Fargo. So there you go. It's so weird. By the way, your um, your contact and teams does not have the ZZ yet on it. That's interesting. I didn't put a message saying that, like I didn't put a automated message either. So people probably are just emailing me and wondering why I'm a jerk who's not responding. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Normally it would be pretty pretty quick, but oh well. Yeah, so let's hear it from your perspective. How does it feel to be a Wells Fargo employee when I am not a Wells Fargo employee for the first time ever? No more Wednesday lunches. No more Tuesday lunches. No more messaging. It's kind of sad. Dude, we, yeah, we definitely use that Teams chat for personal use, but everyone does, so. Yep. The thing I was going to clarify earlier is that I technically still am a Wells Fargo employee. How it works at Wells, and so this was interesting. Uh, You and I talked about this. I had a hard time processing it, the good and the bad of it. I found out on Halloween, October 31st, that I was going to be displaced, and they gave me a 60-day notice. The first 30 days are working days. So I was still an employee for Wells. I still had, you know, the projects I was working on. I needed to continue working on and get as close to completion as possible and all those things. Then I had a 30-day period that starts today, which is a non-working period where I'm still an employee for Wells. I'm getting a paycheck, but I'm not in the office. I've turned in all my equipment. I've told everyone who needs to pick up my responsibilities how to do them, like I'm offline. 
but I'm still getting paid for 30 days, which is what they do to give you more time to do a job search in hopes that you didn't do it during the first 30 days. And then after that, I get severance where my pay and my benefits continue. So it was very weird to be told, hey, you're not going to be working for us anymore, but keep working for us for the next 30 days. But of course, on the positive side, I'm grateful that they basically said, hey, you're not going to be working for us anymore, but you get four more months of pay and benefits. Yeah. Well, and obviously some people that just don't care would burn that opportunity and not do anything in terms of researching jobs at the company. That first 30 days, they'd be like, I'm not going to. I'm not going to help. Like, I'm just going to sit here and collect a paycheck. But it sounds like you didn't do that. Interesting. Yeah, there were, it was hard. There are moments where I found it hard to do extra work that I was already planning on doing. It was difficult the first couple days to just pretend like nothing happened and keep doing my job. So what happened or what was happening when I found out is that we were in the middle of a project that we had been working on since March and we were going to release it in November, the technology update that we were working on. And so I was in the, the throes of it, like working late hours. I think I did some work on a Saturday once just to like, cause I had to send out an email and I didn't want to finish it on Friday night. So I just took a break and then sent the email Saturday morning. And so I was in the throes of like, the grind of getting this everything that needed to be done so that it could be released on time and as we had planned in November. And that's when I got the notice that I was being displaced. And so it was hard to refocus there. But once a couple of days passed, it was easier to continue working on the project I had started. What was really difficult was once we finished that project and I had like you know, basically we had started planning. It's like, once this project is done, we'll do this and this. It was difficult for me to start working, like to start up on something Mm -hmm. that I knew I wasn't going to be able to finish to just get a little bit of of the groundwork laid for the person who was taking it after me. Well, that's a, um, that's a big hit right there. I mean, and for any listeners that haven't already been following this journey, give them a big, brief timeline of your year oh my year dude i thought you said we were short on time today what are you doing Um, i mean i said a brief picture i mean just just hit the highlights yeah but you know me so lily was born a year ago so the end of 2022 so then if we start in 2023 i had got the job at wells and i was going to start on january 4th which i did And the first few months there were difficult. I went from being a a new dad. I knew exactly, not exactly how to help, but like I was providing a lot of value being at home with Caitlin, supporting her, helping with Lily, doing groceries, doing other tasks around the house just to keep everything moving and going. And then I went into what Wells is, a big machine starting off as a small cog where I didn't, I wasn't able to offer a lot of value. I was just learning how to do my job. Then that season starts to pass. I start to get a a little bit of a better understanding of how to do my job. And then comes the learning that I didn't file my taxes correctly. That was a whole saga. Many episodes going through that. 
go back to the the when life happens part one and part two to hear about that saga mm-hmm. and then after that was the home search or around the same time of that was the home search process where we were able to find a home pretty quickly but there was a super stressful part where we were doing the interest rate locks and trying to get all of the the documentation we needed in and that was like a very stressful two weeks of just trying to get under or once we got under contract on a home trying to get the loan sorted out and then fast forward summer was pretty chill if you will then 30 some days like i've been telling people 35 but it's somewhere in the mid 30s days before we were supposed to close on our house caitlin loses her job she gets laid off that was a bit of a whirlwind i mean we weren't completely caught off guard because her company had already done one round of layoffs but we we weren't expecting it either But what was amazing with that was about a month before she was laid off, someone had reached out to her on LinkedIn, didn't know her from Adam, but looked up her profile, sent a personalized message to her and was like, hey, I really like your background. It seems like you're able, would be able to do great things for our company. Would you want to meet to talk more about a role with our team? She meets with that guy. And then the day Caitlin got laid off was the day she was planning on talking to her manager about having that conversation with him and being interested on going through the interview process and saying, Hey, how should we, how should we do this? Or how do you want to go about this? And that was the day she was laid off. So then that was like, Oh, well, okay. We no longer have to ask fringe about, you know, what they want to do. If they want to offer Kate more money, if they want to, you know, let her go interview for that position however they wanted to handle it because she wasn't working for them anymore. And that was an incredible blessing that she was able to go through that process without having a job. On top of that, for a second, we thought Caitlin would have to land a new job before we closed on the house because of the debt to income ratio we'd be taking on with the house would be too high and they'd cancel out our or like we'd lose our loan because we wouldn't, they wouldn't approve it. Thankfully, Bank of America was willing to let us go up to 50% debt to income ratio. And we went up to 49.07 with being just on my salary. Again, that's a whole episode, just processing that of how I was both calm that God was going to provide, but also having moments where I was like, just anxious and trying to, or had to work hard to stop myself from thinking ahead and overthinking realistically, not thinking ahead of what was going to happen. To summarize that, basically, we were able to keep the loan in the house and Caitlin was able to have a new job lined up that she was able to start like a couple weeks after we moved in. Then we move in and we appropriately estimated how hard it would be to pack up with a baby. We didn't like understand how difficult it would be to unpack with a baby. And that's just been tough. Like our, a lot of our house, like there are rooms where like we haven't even gotten to doing anything in them yet, where there's just like, we've thrown stuff like Mm -hmm. Lily's playroom. Mm -hmm. We haven't set up the playroom yet. We're just using that as a room to put stuff until we can, you know, get other rooms sorted out and tidied up and, you know, like buying things that we need. I didn't really pay much attention whenever I was helping move y'all in. 
How big is y'all's house? It is 1,691 square feet. It's three-story townhouse. Three bedrooms on the top floor and four... There's four bathrooms, but two of them are half baths. Okay. And so, yeah, like just filling the house has been like a full-time job of from everything from, you know, doing fun things like buying. I don't even know what's an example. When I said fun things, I was about to say like my stand-up desk, but I just realized how old I am now that I consider that a fun thing. But, you know, things I'm more interested in versus, you know, like, buying a trash can to put in each bathroom and like a, you know, you got to like have a soap dispenser in every bathroom, like things like that. That's taken up a lot of our time and it's been stressful because it's just obviously disrupting the routines because we have all the normal things that we need to take care of, like doing dishes, going and getting groceries and blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, to summarize the year succinctly with Lily, Lily is one year and three weeks old at this point, maybe four weeks, somewhere in between. So she's like 13 months old and she has never slept through the night. And so all of that, that happened throughout the year, plus Lily just having a very tough time sleeping and has never slept through the entire night has made it for a long, exhausting, tiring year. And now at the end of the year, I've been displaced from my job and I'm starting a job search. And I saw your eyes pop out of your head. So I suppose you didn't know that Lily hadn't slept through the night yet. Okay, what? I didn't, I I thought she had at least like thought about it. (laughs) What do you mean thought about it? Okay. Maybe we should just come back to this topic because you're still kind of on your journey here, but... um, That was the end of the year. That was the end of the year. I guess so, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, well, um, so I didn't... Oh, (laughs) one last thing. I didn't realize that. Also, while we were at my parents' house in Chesapeake, I destroyed the front right tire of my car. And so I had to get that. That was a whole... It wouldn't be mentioned if it didn't just happen in the recent past, as far as things that happened this year, Mm -hmm. just add another one to the list, like of what could go wrong, did go wrong. So what, okay, what did you hit? Two different massive potholes. The first one, unavoidable is not like a good term, because obviously, you know, in theory, you could have avoided it, but it was unavoidable in the sense that there was another car on the road And so I like had to move far enough over on the side of the road and this part of the road was poorly lit. So I never saw the pothole before I hit it. The second one, I saw it coming, but there was also like, basically I was cutting through a back road, which 80% of the road is well paved. And then the small little section right before you get back to the main road has a ton of potholes. And on the second one, there is a big pothole on my right and a also a little bit smaller, but also big pothole on my left. And so I tried to split them and I didn't split them well enough. So like I got absolutely mm-hmm. rocked by the big pothole on the right. And at that point, it, the tire was gone. I don't know if it was already on its way out after the first one because I crushed the first pothole 
because I didn't see it coming and it was a big one. But the second one just was the final. I don't know if the tire had already popped and was slowly leaking, but that one just put it out of its misery. Thankfully, I was able to drive home, get home. And then that night I scheduled for someone to come out and tow our car. And they ended up coming out and just changing the tire. And then I drove the car to a local tire shop. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What do you what do you mean tow the car? Wait, is there not a spare tire in the thing? There is a spare tire in the thing. Time is money. I have USAA auto insurance and they offer free tow and free tire changes for their members. And so I was like, okay, if I don't need to change this tire, I'm gonna call someone to change this tire for me so I can do tire research on what tires I need to buy. We live different lives, don't we? Does your car insurance not offer free tows or free tire change? Um, let me pull it up. I would say single-handedly. I don't even have to look it up. No. Oof. Got to get that. Uh, no. <laughs> so this is a, uh, not a sponsor. If they want to be a sponsor, USAA, reach out. Maybe we should say you have two cars. How much do you... How much do you pay? We only had one car. At or sorry, well, are you saying like you're just talking about how much our car insurance costs? Yeah, I don't know. I think monthly we pay like one twenty. Okay, so there it is. Do you have total comprehensive insurance on your um? I have no clue, and I can't imagine anyone listening right now is interested. <laughs> uh, well, I am. Um. <laughs> this is hey. This is a this is a preview of what it looks like for us to learn how to do a podcast. We've learned there are some conversations that the two of us have, and there are some conversations the two of us have, and we <laughs> share with the world. You know what? They can listen in. Yeah, no, I think we pay one hundred and forty dollars for our three cars total, and I know for a fact that I mean it's um, I forget what the name of it is. Is it accidental coverage? Is it? It's like a partial coverage. Um, in case anyway. The point is, we don't have the bells and whistles version. I'm not saying y'all do necessarily, but... Yeah, I would say we don't have the bells and whistles, but you already know what we're going to do when it comes time for us to spend like a week together for Christmas. We're about to be pulling up our laptops and pulling up our car insurance side by side to see what we have covered. Well, hold on. Your third car is a car from 2000 that... It has to be worth like a thousand dollars. So I wouldn't be surprised if you're. No, 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 no. I have two cars that are two thousand ones. Okay, one is three thousand. One is like six or seven thousand. Okay. Is nice. this hold on? Is this the? Is this what you could sell them for, or is this like when you get your state inspection, it says what your car is valued at? It's just what I could sell them for. Uh, we're not. Yeah, I'm talking about what your car is valued at because that is what they determine. Okay, it's valued at it. It's like fifteen and five, fifteen hundred and five grand for the truck. My point is that your old car, which we've talked about in the previous episode when you had issues with it, is I can't imagine it costs that much to insure it. So I feel like even if you only had two cars, your your auto insurance bill wouldn't drop that much. Every every car is about forty five dollars. Well, that's if you just divide it by three, but I wonder no, no, if they... No, like, like every car is about $45. All right. We'll look. Which either way, I mean, yeah. that means we're paying $15 a month more than you, which isn't that dramatic. All Depending right. on what our coverage is. Yeah, I think your coverage is probably different. 
Because I'm telling you right now, they can't. They're not gonna come pick up or tow. And also, I don't know if I could handle them doing my own car. I, I I don't know if I can do that. Let your pride down, man. You can come and fix my car whenever you want. Hey, I would, but you were in Virginia, so. Yeah, oh, and so I had a stranger. I can't remember what his name was, but he came out uh, in the rain, uh, whatever morning it was. I guess Wednesday morning to yep. sort out the car. Hey, you know what? Good. So here's a tangent we didn't see coming, kind of like the cowlick tangent from the episode prior. So now we'll circle back to the one that made your eyes absolutely pop out of your head, which is the fact that Lily hasn't slept through the night. Can we just, yeah, let's, let's talk about that a little bit. I don't understand it. I don't understand babies. That's okay. What, what is happening there? Can you, is this just a situational thing? Is this a, she doesn't like the light in your house? I mean, like what? If we could tell you what was happening, we'd be making millions of dollars. Not really. But if we knew what was happening, she'd be sleeping through the night because we would have addressed it by now. I don't understand. Well, yeah, neither do we. We have done, Caitlin did the full elimination diet because Lily was having gut issues. And obviously if a baby is gassy, it's going to be more difficult for them to sleep because the gas will wake them up. Kate did that full elimination diet where for two weeks... I think she was only eating four foods. Like she had Mm. one meat, one vegetable, one fruit, and one like grain, I think. Didn't resolve the issue. We are going tomorrow to a pediatric airway specialist. I don't know what their actual medical title is, but there's... Caitlin was just at the dentist and she was talking about... They, they brought up Lily and she talked about not being able to sleep through the night and they started probing and asking questions. And so Lily snores and so uh, sometimes, and so they're going to look and see if there's something that is afoot there. Apparently if you, I don't even know, I don't even know how to explain it. It's basically like a tongue tie or something. If, if she has a tongue tie when she's breastfeeding that lets air in and that air will make her very gassy and that could be disrupting her sleep. And then also just like her snoring means there could be something disrupted in her airways and that whatever Hmm. point is we don't know. And we, at some point jaded might not be the right word because it makes it sound like we're just really cynical at this point that nothing will help. But we got tired of chasing down every rabbit trail of like, you know, Someone's like, oh, here's this advice of what worked. And, oh, you should try yep. this or, oh, you should try that. And at a certain point, Caitlin specifically, you know, got very invested and uh, emotionally tied to Lily's sleep. Obviously, she, you know, she's emotionally tied in many areas because she spends so much time taking care of her. And I think she got to a point where she just felt it was unhealthy, her chasing down all these different rabbit holes where... I don't know how to phrase it, but basically we were, we weren't going to go to this pediatric airway specialist, but she decided, or I convinced her that we should go because our dentist is so adamant that that could be the issue. And Caitlin watched some informational videos that they sent her and it pretty much lines up with the issues Lily is having. And so we kind of had to have a whole conversation of like, we're not trying to put our hope in this, but there's enough evidence that we should at least explore this idea. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I hope that gets resolved because that's, that's horrific. Yes. The longest stretch that Lily has slept in her entire life is six hours. And that happened one time. 
And I, there's a handful of times where she has slept for three or four hours. But for the most part, she is an intermittent sleeper. Wow. Yep. That's that's pretty crazy. It is wild. Yeah, I don't know how to process it. I don't know how to... I don't say it often because I don't know how, like, if you don't, if you haven't experienced it, I don't know how to communicate it well to like, just, yep. Obviously you can rationalize how difficult it would be, but yep. it's one of those things well, where it's like, would, yeah. it's insanely difficult. If I was in control of my story, I would have never written this into part of my story. And it's also one of those things where if you can't change it, you just suffer with it. And like, you know, whatever, this is my lot. But I don't even think about it like that. It's just like you just get used to it. I get, I'm, I'm accustomed to a reality where Lily doesn't sleep through the night. We put her down to bed in the crib, and at some point she wakes up, and we bring her into our bed so that she will sleep, at least for longer stretches through the night. Yep. Yeah, that's. I hope. I hope they get. I mean, obviously, it's going to get resolved at some point in life. Hopefully, it'll be this year. Yeah, it's one of those things. Because that's the thing, even if we find out that there's an issue, like a tongue tie or something, I don't know what the answer is, but I would assume the answer is invasive, like something surgical. And at the at that mm. point, it's like, okay, do we spend the money and the whatever, every surgery has a side effect. Do we go through all of that in hopes that it helps Lily sleep when this is something that no human being has never slept through the light, through the night in their entire life? And so it's one of those things where it's like, do we, you know, get aggressive and invasive and attack the problem or do we now we understand and have the closure of like, okay, this was the issue. Now we can have a little bit of closure, peace, ease about it, and yep. as we continue to suffer through it while it works out as she gets older. Well, I, I didn't know that. I thought it was I thought it was hit or miss. But I thought it was you know, kinda like us. Like we're kinda like this, well, you know, she's I mean, I don't know what sleeping through the night definition really is, but Miriam will do like seven o'clock to like four. You know, I don't know if that's if that's sleeping through the night, and then occasionally she'll do seven to seven. But and that I think that would be more considered sleeping through the night. But mm-hmm. the point is, it has to be a long, probably a majority stretch of the night. Yeah, yeah. The there have been a few nights where Lily has gone from. Let's say we put her down at. There was one night in the past couple months where we put her down at nine and she woke up at one a.m. and that oh. obviously felt like a like a good night. Normally, what happens is I mean I don't even know what's normal, but what I, what I recall happening most often is that we'll put down Lily sometime between seven and nine, depending on her nap schedule during the day, and she will like sleep for an hour, wake up. Caitlin or I will go back in, bounce her back to sleep, and then she'll sleep for like another hour, maybe two, and then she'll wake back up. And basically, in those first couple hours, Caitlin and I stay awake to try and put her back down. And then at some point, we go to bed. And by the time we've gone to bed and she wakes up, Kate just brings her into our bed. Hmm. I just heard I just heard Miriam, and I thought, oh, no, because I'm wearing like ear-canceling, um, noise-canceling headphones or whatever. And um, I was like, oh, I hear some noise. It's always nice to take out the ear earpod, AirPod, and um, and hear that she's she's laughing, not crying. That's just that's just nice, isn't it? 
Oh yeah, there's a there is a a very you get used to it, but yeah, to think back to when every sound that Lily making was one of fussing or crying and now it's like, oh, sometimes she's happy. Sometimes she's like yeah. jabbering at us and having a good time. Caitlin says a kid's laughter or specifically your kid's laughter is like crack. Yeah. And it's true like when when Lily is laughing, it it's just something that brings so much joy and that's something that I want to get better at talking about obviously we have had a really difficult year with her but it's just such the cultural norm when someone brings up a kid or like we were at a restaurant the other day and lily was just taking laps and i had to we were at one of those fast casual restaurants where it's like open Mm -hmm. to get back into the kitchen and so basically i would pick lily up walk her to the other side of the restaurant and she would like walk and try and get back into the kitchen and we were letting her do that just to get her energy out and some dad, or not even a dad, some guy, like saw me. He's like, oh, she's a handful, isn't she? And so it's just like the cultural, mm-hmm. almost like norm. One, I think it's a human condition thing to be more, to quicker to be quicker to complain than to praise or celebrate something. Mm-hmm. But then especially with kids, like I feel like the easiest thing is to be like, yep, super hard, really difficult. Or like say something sarcastic of like, or like, oh no, she's really easy. Like, you know, sarcastically, like while you're mm-hmm. doing that. So I'm trying to, especially Caitlin and I have been talking about it now that Lily's going to be able to actually hear and understand what we're saying soon of trying not, or trying to be more conscious of how we're talking about things. Mm-hmm. Yep. I've even, and it's it's kind of silly, but, and, and Miriam's only six months old, so she certainly doesn't understand anything like that. But when McCain and I have, discussions that we have opposing you know disagreements on we're not arguing per se but like when we get animated about our positions it's getting a little heated yeah it's not even heated it's just we're, we're going to defend our position so that we can understand where each other's coming from i'll, I'll even just look at mary and be like we're not fighting <laughs> like that's not it's not what it is there's there's a clear difference between fighting and like having a good debate and in trying to anyway, so I think a lot of that's going to have to change a little bit. Just how our tone, or just it's it's again, it sounds terrible. It sounds like we're over here having a, a political debate or something, but it it's not. We're just defending our our points and things. And we both, I, I do it. Like I'm certainly more of a. I'm going to tell you how how I feel about it, and then she gives me the logic of well, here's why it's wrong. So with kids, I think that's going to be an important piece. Yeah, it's going to be, I've been thinking about that too, of Caitlin and I have conversations like that where we're just kind of going back and forth, being a bit animated. And there, or I mean, there are plenty of times when we fight, but there have been times where we start moving towards a fight and like Lily's right there. And so, yeah, my, something I struggle with is like, I want the issue, whatever it is, once it's started, I want it to be resolved cleanly before we move on. And not only yep. is it something that's impractical in life and marriage, it's something that's, I don't want to say impossible, but darn near impossible once you have kids. You know, like the last thing you want is Lily to be in the other room. She hears some noise, she comes in, and then, you know, you're angry at one another and you turn and you know, turn that anger towards her. And so both in those big yep. ways and also in the subtle ways, I 
don't want to get too specific because this is a work situation. And I know now people from my work listen to this. (laughs) But there was a circumstance where we were in a meeting and the person leading the meeting was whatever. I can't get not specific about this. I'm just going to tell a story because I don't think he did anything wrong other than what all of us do. So we were in the meeting after all of us had been displaced when we were talking about what the future looked like because they are opening roles internally and they're doing a restructure to the department. And so the start of the meeting was like tense. Like you could just feel it. The person leading the meeting was feeling the tension of the people in the room because we had just received difficult news. And while he was going through and starting the conversation, someone from his family like came into his office. He was working from home that day. And it was just a moment where I don't know if they knocked on the door or just started to come in. And he kind of like, you know, he was just like, no, 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 no. And like trying to get them to not come in. And then they came in anyway. And he said, thank you. You know, acknowledge them and then ask them to leave. And then they left. And then he kind of looked at the camera and like knew he was on camera in front and talking in front of a ton of people kind of like smiled, like shook his head. And he just said the joys of working from home, which like I can empathize with that. I know what it's like to be in a stressful work situation and Caitlin or Lily walk in the room and I'm not ready to handle that. But what chafed me to use a word that my friend does is that he deflected it in the exact way I would deflect it. Like I would make a joke, uh, a sarcastic one, which like everyone knows he's not, what he just experienced wasn't Mm -hmm. fun or pleasant, but he said the joys of working from home. And so it's something I've been thinking about a lot recently of like how much more seen people will feel and open and transparent. If he just looked at the camera, he reacts the exact same way. And then he just looks at the camera and he just says, man, it is really difficult to, or sometimes it's really difficult to work from home. I'm sorry you guys had to see that. Let's carry on. Yeah. And that would, because when I saw that, like I didn't, like obviously he reacted sharply and that's wrong, but like I've reacted in the exact same way. So in that moment, I wasn't like judging him. I was, I empathized with what he was going through because I felt that exact same thing. Mm -hmm. And so it felt like it was a moment where, it could have been used to be redemptive or just be honest about things that are hard that everyone else experiences. But just like I would do, he made a comment that kind of deflected it and then moved on. Yep. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, sarcasm is a great tool for deflection and just kind of trying to get a laugh out of something you really just maybe shouldn't have a laugh out of sometimes. And our family is pretty gifted at it, obviously. (laughs) Dude, you've come a long way too. Yeah, for better or worse. (laughs) No, I think there's, you know, whatever. I've gone back and forth. I tell people that I'm fluent in sarcasm. I grew up with it in my home. And, you know, there were times where I was like, similar to us talking about uh, that conversation we kind of had about sports and spending a lot of time watching it on TV. There have been moments where I'm like, this absolutely has zero place in the world. There's no benefit whatsoever. But there is a fine line, which I think is very fine, where if it's not made at someone else's expense, it can bring humor. Like, obviously, humor is good. It's just really difficult because it is overused, for sure. Like, I won't 
challenge that at all. It's used too frequently. I don't think we need to be, you know, solemn and always talking about the hard and difficult things in life, but we can certainly do to deflect the less. Yeah. Well, and just in that circumstance, especially there's tension already and just expose your own humanity. Don't just, yeah, don't just kind of pass it on to the next people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think we were going to talk about this today, but there we are. Yep. Well, I mean, that's, um, that's a lot of, oh, I guess I should stay up here. That's a lot of, um, a lot of change in the past year, certainly. And I always come into this season. I know that you're not necessarily a big goals guy, but <laughs> I always, I always go through December starting tomorrow and, and then we get into January and I don't do new year's resolutions, but I definitely do goals, which are similar, but I, I'm a little more practical with it. And it's, not just a habit necessarily that I'm adding to a list. It's family oriented goals. And so it'd be, I'd be curious to see if you'd ever um, think about the next year and your goals with stability or goals with professional development, things like that. And a lot of the things in the past year, obviously for you have been a little bit out of your control, but I'm curious to see what uh, goals you might land on. (laughs) You're trying to get me to become a goal planning person. How dare you? Yeah, a little bit. Now, the the thing I have been thinking about, and this is what I actually thought we were going to talk about today because it's something that's been on my mind, but I'll keep it brief since we are nearing your exit time. Something that I notice and I think is applicable to a lot of people is that in certain areas of life, there are growth and you're doing things really well. And you know, once that happens, you feel like you're on top of the world. So, example... I find out I'm losing my job and I called you about it and you were more frustrated than I was. You were like, yep. Beside yourself is too much, but you were animated. I'm probably still beside myself about it. (laughs) Okay. So then we'll say beside yourself. Yeah. I'd I'd say that. I wasn't that bothered by it. And kind of by default without thinking, I said, I'm not bothered by it because my hope's not in my job. And we talked through that. That's part of the reason why I wasn't bothered. And there are other more practical factors by why I wasn't bothered that we can talk about another time. But the gist was that I had just seen Caitlin go through her layoff right before we got our house. We didn't lose our house. And then she got a job that is better for our family and she enjoys more. And so I like God didn't give me time to forget that he's going to provide for our family. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of the overwhelming feeling I had there. Fast forward a couple weeks. So that's a, a big life change that happened that is objectively difficult to process. And I was able to process it with ease. I was feeling good about myself, like not necessarily patting myself on the back, but feeling good that I reacted well and was focused on communicating. That's why I reacted well, rather than focusing on the practical. Yep. And then we are about to go on vacation for Thanksgiving. Before Thanksgiving, we're go- we were going to go have a reunion with my college roommates, go see a Virginia Tech football game, and just hang out for the weekend. Well, the Monday before that, uh, or the Sunday before that, our nanny's husband was sick. But she still came on Monday. Uh, he got sick over the weekend and like, whatever. I can't remember all the details, but, or if I knew that at the time, or if this is, I'm backfilling. But so the timeline was 
he got sick. She wasn't sick. Her son wasn't sick. So they still came over and took care of Lily. Then Monday night, she got sick and her son got sick with something different than her husband. Or basically the symptoms were different. Then we find out that her husband tested positive for COVID. And this is like 24 hours before we're supposed to leave, or maybe even less before we're supposed to leave for our trip. And so we have to go through the process of like trying to figure out like how we can get Caitlin and Lily tested and like all the stuff. And if they're positive, whether or not we go. And, you know, I was, Caitlin was logical in this one. Normally I'm the more logical one, but Caitlin was like, Hey, we need to get tested. And if we test positive, we're not going to go and continue to spread this. And I was like Jonah when Nineveh was like redeemed. Like I was like so beside myself. I was so frustrated. I was so in despair that I was going to miss out on this reunion trip with my friends. And as I was processing that afterwards, it was just so sad or like, I don't know how to feel about it fully yet. Clearly the answer is like, I've, I've grown in some areas, but I haven't allowed the, yeah the gospel. I'm not in control message to apply to every single area of my life because now looking back, it's like, Oh, you were content in a circumstance where you've seen God provide for in the past, or you're content when it doesn't bother you that much. But when it's something that's close and personal to you, that's going to be taken away from you. You were ready to lose your mind and just throw a pity party. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know if that, when you said goals, that's what popped into my mind because that's something I've been thinking about recently of like, you know, the analogy of like, you've built a house and you let God into one room, but like, how do you let him into every single room and like take over your entire life? Cause you know, if the gospel yep. doesn't apply to every area of your life, then what's the point? So that's not something where I have practical goals for, but it's something that I was probably, probably definitely designed on purpose for that to happen. And then immediately for the other situation to happen afterwards. So I could see side by side, like, oh, I don't have everything figured out. And there's actually a lot more yep. areas of my life where I want control that I need to learn how to give up control on. Well, good talk. Uh, you're just going to give me with a good talk? I mean, I agree. I mean, there's always areas we need to grow. And they often arise in places we don't see. 